I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. In five, four, three. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast Live Edition. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And back with me on a lovely Friday morning or afternoon, depending on where you are, is Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing too much. It is a lovely day. It's a little bit a little bit muggy here. We've had some rain the past couple days, so that's uh, a little sticky. But otherwise, it's pretty nice. If you can uh, if you can catch a little breeze here and there, it's not, not too bad. I know what that's about. It's been, man, it's rained every day that that I can remember since I got back here like two weeks ago. <laughs> so it's yeah. Hot, muggy, rainy, uh, breeze during the day, unless I'm doing this show. Cause I got to close the doors so that you guys can't hear the waves crashing in the background and all the people enjoying themselves down at the pool and the beach while I slave away here for the podcast. We've talked about it. I personally like the, uh, the ambiance of the background noise and the waves and the people and stuff. But I, I do understand some people, some people hear that and it's a, uh, it's off putting. For me personally, I, I kind of like it. I, I did an episode of my own show one day. I, every time I would sit down to try to record the goats would go nuts or the chickens would go nuts or the kids would start screaming. And I was kind of like, fuck it. I'm just going to record. I'm opening the windows. I'm opening the doors. Whatever it is is what it is, and we're just going to go with it. And it, it ended up not being terrible. <laughs> not terrible. Exactly what we strive for here at the Peddling Fiction Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well. Not not terrible is setting the bar about as high as the uh, Biden administration has been setting their economic bar. There you go. Yes. It's not terrible. At least not yet. <laughs> Uh, as if you listened to our last episode, we um, kind of threw a wet towel on this idea that the Biden economy is just so great. If only the American people weren't so stupid, they would realize how great it is. But they've been propagandized to just hate Biden and think that the economy was terrible. And then, of course, today we got the jobs numbers in. <laughs> The jobs reports are always a lot of fun, huh? I enjoy, uh, I enjoy when the the jobs numbers come out. I it's don't not today's disastrous usually, jobs report. 
Yeah, right. I mean, on one level, it's it's very satisfying to be, just be proven right two days after we were talking about this. But um, the other, on the other hand, it always makes trading a lot more difficult if you're doing day trading stuff around this sort of news. It it can be very difficult to navigate the charts. So my morning was interesting, but successful. And uh, yeah. The, the jobs number is not looking so great, actually. Uh, Bidenomics might have been oversold. There's, um, yeah, part-time jobs are surging. I believe the, the expectations were for about 200,000 jobs, and they missed expectations. They came in at 187,000 today. Um, previous month revised lower. In fact, every month revised. Does this have the chart of the all the previous months that have been revised lower. I was looking, I was reading yes. two different articles, so I don't know which one I sent you. Okay. Yeah. Every month in 2023 has been revised lower. <laughs> and it's just like, if they were being honest about this, some months would be revised lower. Other months you'd be revising them higher because you know, that's kind of the way things go. These are estimates, but when every estimate, is in one direction. It's just like, eh, I feel like they're manipulating the data in one direction <laughs> for a well, certain that's purpose. The, that's the thing about everybody that, that's been touting this amazing Biden economy is every month the jobs numbers come out and they miss projection. And then they come back and they, and then they, they revise it down even further than what it was to begin with. Like how, how are they touting all of this job growth and stuff when they've missed projections every single month for his entire presidency, basically? I, I just don't understand. Like, Right. So if it were me and I were in charge of this data, if I was wrong every single month in one direction, like every single month I was overestimating, I'd look back at how I'm calculating this and try to make some adjustments so that I'm more accurate. But this is exactly what they want. That you know, we don't just have a 24-hour news cycle in politics and current events. It's the headline number is all the market cares about. It goes ballistic for the day. People either make a ton of money off of it or lose a ton of money. And and, and then things sort of settle down and you forget about that number. Nobody's looking back at, at previous months and being like, oh, shit, every month has been revised lower. Oh, shit, uh, 280,000 jobs were just due to the birth death model, like just made up in an Excel spreadsheet. And every month they're wrong. Nobody cares. It's all just about whatever the headline is. They'll go from this headline. OK, a miss. And then the, ne the next job report that comes out, that's the one that matters. And it's just they're always looking to the next one. And nobody's looking in the rearview mirror, which even the jobs numbers are sort of a lagging indicator of, of where the economy is going. Well, and you would think the people who are doing these projections and coming up with these charts and graphs and, and models and everything would start to say, OK, we've missed high every month. So every month it looks like there wasn't the job growth that we were expecting. And then we're revising it down further than that. Let's start setting our bar lower. And then if we come in above it, it, it's like, hey, look, we did even better than what we thought we would. Like, then you can actually That's count I, it as yeah. a win. Like, you know, set set the expectations so low 
that if you make it or exceed it, everybody's like, oh, look, they did a great job this month. You know, because people don't know the average person doesn't know what that number means. Like is 200 is 200,000 good, bad. Nobody knows. So just set it at 150. And then when you come in at 187 and then you revise it down to 162, well, it still looks like you exceeded projection and everybody says, hey, look, they're doing a great job. It's a win. Like if capitalize, yeah. I would be a terrible politician because my entire right. policy would be capitalize on people's stupidity. Like just. Oh, that, that make you pretty good. That make you good. That that's the the hallmark of a great politician. But over uh, under promising and over delivering is not. That's not how politician they over promise and they under deliver every time. You can't be honest. You can't be reserved. You have to be like Trump, but in a less Trumpian way. <laughs> you know, like everything's great. There's nothing to see here. Um, we have a great economy. We have a great. Uh, political arrangement everything's rosy you know jobs are great immigration no problem there you know foreign policy no, nothing to worry about and trump is just like oh i have the best of everything <laughs> but yeah, well, so yeah. Here's uh, the, uh... my whole my whole uh style is always under promise and over deliver here's kind of the the crux of this whole report and everything and this has kind of been the thing for all of the Biden presidency, honestly, is the the monthly jobs have stayed pretty flat, taken a dip in some places like they haven't. There hasn't been an, an exceptional amount of full time job creation. A lot of it has been part time and seasonal jobs and those kind of come and go. So like you've seen this uh, like as the, the the job growth that they've been touting has almost exclusively been in part time and seasonal work. And uh, like that's not. That's not boosting the economy. That's creating something that'll, that's not long-term fixing the economy, I guess I should say. Like, it'll give you a, a short-term boost because it's a seasonal thing. But then you see, like, you see the ebbs and flows in in these jobs changes. Like, yeah, you'll get, you'll get them this month and then you'll lose them for the next three months. And then it'll come back and then it'll go away. Like, this isn't, this isn't the sign of a healthy economy if, if you understand no. how these things work. Right. And but it, it is nice because they get to say all the jobs that they created each time. <laughs> it's like, hey, we created more jobs. And it's like, yeah, but are they good job? Like, what kind of job is it? Not all jobs are created equal. Are these like uh, bartenders and waitresses? Are they manufacturing jobs? What are they? And more often than not, the vast majority of these are not jobs that people uh, dream about, you know, it's not like you got your dream job and that's being included in the numbers. Most of the, most of these jobs are, are things that people are taking out of necessity. Um, they're, they're doing the job for a paycheck. They're working for the weekend. Maybe it's a second part-time job. Maybe they have a full-time job and because inflation is eating away at their savings and their earnings, they've had to take on a, a second job to sort of make ends meet just to get back to where they were a few years ago. And I, I sent you a, uh, an article about a $400 unexpected, uh, unexpected expense for the, the number of Americans that can handle that. Yeah, it used to be $500. Now they're, now it's only $400 and inflation is like twice what it was at the time of 500. 
Yeah, this one's pretty bad. The number of Americans able to afford a $400 surprise bill slides in the area era of Bidenomics. Like, I don't that that that's crazy to me. Like, that's the minimum that I have set aside in a like I have an automatic. I had an automatic transfer set up from my checking account into a just a generic savings account. Every Monday, four hundred dollars moves from one to the other. Like that's, I, that's my <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is insane. It says only forty six percent of adults have emergency savings to cover a four hundred dollar expense. I, I mean, that's four hundred dollars. This day and age is nothing. I, I mean, you could spend that like at a bar. <laughs> Like, I, I bought a round of drinks for four people last time I was in Chicago. I know I keep mentioning this because I'm still fucking sick over it. It was $100 for four drinks. It, that was like 15 minutes. It was just it just evaporated. I, I, I mean, this is just crazy to me how how um, what sort of precarious position 46% of adults are. I mean, when I was 15, I was working and I had enough money to cover an unexpected $400 expense. Yeah. You're calling yourself an adult and you don't have an extra 400 laying around. I mean, that's like, that's insane to me. Uh, that's like, even when, even back a few years ago when I made a major job change and I basically I, I got fed up with the industry that I was in and decided to leave a job making 90 grand a year and go make 11 an hour uh, entry level just to just to get the fuck away from what I've been doing uh, like even then like within six months I could I didn't have any problems with bills or anything like I had money set aside and I was back to saving and like it was it it was a there was a rough transition period in there but like I've never struggled for anything. I don't know. People are living. I think it has less to do with. I think it has less to do with inflation and all of this other stuff. And it's more that people just live outside of their means and they live so far outside of their means that there's no way of recovering. Like they can't once they've done it for a few months, there's no coming back. Like now you're irreparably fucked. Yeah, that that's a good point, because it might not actually be that the economy is just trashed. I think it is. But the the way our generation and younger live, this like keeping up with the Joneses, putting everything on the credit card, they've all gone into debt to get these worthless college degrees. Do you remember when we had uh, we played that clip on the show, that girl called, uh, uh, what's his name, the get out of debt guy. <laughs> yeah. When Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Dave Ramsey. And it's like, they had, it was like $200,000 in, in debt between the two of them. And like 80% of it was like her student loans. And then 20% of it was just his credit card debt or something. Like it was insane what they're doing, racking up 20, $30,000 in credit card debt. Weren't those like, the ones that were banking on winning the lottery? <laughs> like their, their, their whole like get out of debt plan was to to keep yeah. playing the lottery until they won. One in uh, 175 million chance. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is I, I, there's something about our generation where there's just 
they have to have stuff like right now. There's no plan for the future. There's no like if I don't have the the money to buy something, I don't buy it. I pay my credit card off every month. Like the idea of carrying a balance on my credit card is insane to me. Paying like 20% interest. That's just crazy. I use the credit card because it's convenient and you get the points essentially. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it gets me into airport lounges and stuff like that. But I pay it off every month. I mean, they're already giving you an interest-free loan for 30 days. That's not enough for you. That's not enough. You got to carry the balance over. And you're going into debt to buy a car. You're going into debt to get an education. You're going to debt, to debt, to debt. Man, uh, I, I just can't we, imagine being in that in that situation. Yeah, like when we moved in here, we we found out pretty much immediately that the air conditioner units that are on this house and, and the main house are obsolete. They don't make the coolant for them anymore. And they're going to have to they would have to be replaced at some point in the very near future. They're not going to remain functional. So as soon as we found that out, I started setting money aside and saved up. And and then in the or you know early, late winter, early spring, I had them come out and replace the one next door. And I just like they were like they asked, are you going to how are you going to finance this? And like, how are you planning to do this? I was like, I was just going to write you a check. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to pay for it. Yeah, I'm pay like... for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's wild, man. I, yeah, people. People do not have that sort of uh, mindset, I guess, and they're not planning for the future. And, you know, we just went through the last three years of the student loan payment uh, pause. There was a moratorium on paying your like you didn't have to pay your rent for like all of COVID. And it's not like people were setting that money aside in like an escrow account or something. It was just like we're going to spend it and we'll deal with the we'll deal with the fallout when that day comes. It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It it is now and I hope the government forgives you later. Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what the government loves too. They're, they're giving you the rope to hang yourself with. And, And they, they want you in that position. They want you begging, begging Joe Biden to forgive the debt. And it's not even like theirs to forgive it's not like they're forgiving it they're just transferring it over the people that didn't take out the debt have to pay it but that's the position they want you in like the people that didn't take out the debt they are more free essentially and the government fucking hates that and the people that did take out the debt are fucking shackled and the government loves that so what do they do they, they keep those people shackled and they try to shackle the people that didn't take on the debt, that didn't um, make themselves dependent on government handouts and government programs. It's brilliant. Uh, and speaking of that, like there's there's a, an ongoing eviction crisis because of a combination of people aren't setting money aside. People are living outside their means, can't afford. And also uh, in these like big cities, I think I think California is. California alone holds like a third of the U.S.'s homeless population. Then a, a lot of them aren't homeless because they're like the, you know, the drug addled bums on the street types of homeless. They're they're homeless because they're living in these massive cities and have just gotten they've gotten priced out of being able to afford a place to live. Uh, and and like these major blue cities are progressively pushing more and more into like 
where people can't afford to live there. Like when I was reading this article and, and looking at a lot of the stuff on it and the way they talk about like the housing crisis and, and some of these more socialist countries that don't have these kinds of problems and stuff like that. It's like, but that's not a solution. Like the way that they're doing that isn't, isn't reasonable. And it's not like, it's not the way that it's not the way that these blue cities that are run by Democrats actually work. Like they're, the policies that they claim that they want to promote, they're doing the exact opposite with the way they're taxing people through the, you know, through the roof on all of this stuff and then making it unaffordable for anybody to live there. Like, it's just insane. We don't have that. We don't have these problems in, you know, rural Indiana, rural Kentucky, like even, even like cities around here, you know, Owensboro, Evansville, stuff like, like they don't have these problems. Like it, this is like, urban hell right well it's and it's like basically I, I know they'd like to blame it on like greedy landlords or some other retarded excuse but it's go to california and try to build something i beg you they've they've regulated the bejesus out of the the construction market in california do they have rent control there too i think they do so I, for sure, I think they have it in San Francisco. Um, they, I know they have it in New York, historically, just like one of the most expensive places to live because they, they, they create this crisis where it's too expensive and there's too much regulation to build anything. And then they're the, so the rents go up and their solution to that is rent control. So even less buildings get built, especially for, uh, you know, poor and middle-class people. The, the the incentive now is to build uh, luxury housing because it's not subject to the rent control. And so you get all this luxury housing. There's plenty of, uh, you know, million-dollar condos available in all these places, but there's very few new construction going up for you know, multifamily housing for uh, poor middle class. And then they have to come up with government programs, all these housing programs. The federal government will give these uh, these cities and these states hundreds of millions of dollars to build low income housing or afford They call it affordable housing. And they start giving tasks. And it's just like they create this fucking problem. People are like too ignorant to realize what the problem is. Like they have no faith in the, in the free market that delivers the just the cheapest, most affordable, high quality goods in every other arena that the government is not overregulating and controlling to death. And then they, yeah, they blame greed and all these other idiotic excuses that don't explain what the problem is. And then just pile on government solutions that make the problem exponentially worse. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't really know what the solution is. There, there have been projections that, um, like, urban areas are going to start getting more crowded and more overpopulated as, uh, like, climate crisis and stuff continue to continue to happen. It's like, um, how y'all gonna how y'all gonna address that problem? Like, you you've already got a housing you've already got a housing crisis. Like, I. I personally don't think that's going to be the case. It, it seems like if you've looked at things over the last two, three years, people are moving more rurally and trying to get away from cities. But I mean, they're, you know, the, the modelers keep coming up with these ideas like, all right. So like, if this is something that your modelers believe is going to be a problem, what are you going to do to fix it? 
like you should probably start addressing it now maybe i don't know you you already seem to have a pretty major problem as it is like maybe cut some of these regulations let people actually build buildings and homes yeah. and stuff like that and Right. Like make it easier for somebody to build something. I, I mean, I just remember I used to listen to a lot of um, a lot of Adam Carolla who worked construction in California and who's built multiple like studios and houses and things like that. And it's just like when he would run down just like some of the, the regulations and you got to get soil reports and like fucking all this shit, it cost you. Ten, or I forget who was that. Was it Suzanne Summers like house burned down or something in one of the California fires? And and he was talking to her and it was like, well, are you going to are you going to rebuild your house? She's like, no, I'm not doing that. It would take it's impossible to re, to rebuild. I'm just going to buy something else that's already been built because it would take way too long and it would cost a fortune. Uh, make it easier for people to build things. And then you increase supply. And the more supply there is. The, the the prices can come down now. When you restrict supply and you make it more and more expensive, you create all these barriers to entry, yeah, you're going to have shortages. You're going to have problems. Prices are going to increase. It, it, it's so basic, but basic economics is completely lost. Uh, and whatever is good economics is horrible politics. So these politicians love that they can, you know, create these boogeymen, these evil uh, landlords, these greedy landlords that are just, um, you know, rent is theft. <laughs> One of my favorite um, retarded quotes from socialists. They get to create these boogeymen and then come in uh, as if they're the saviors with another uh, just ridiculous plan that's going to make things worse for everybody that they intend and pretend to help. Oh yeah, I mean, I was like the <laughs> talking about California, like like uh, San Francisco coming after Elon for putting an X on top of the yeah. Oh yeah, all over that, all over that. So, well, speaking of Twitter, or I guess X now, X had a uh, major competitor that came into the field uh, at least at least for like a day and a half. Uh, did you see where where Mark Zuckerberg launched his Threads. It was going to be a, uh, yeah. I was just about to call it thresholds or something. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a civilized version of Twitter. It's going to be a place where people could talk without having to worry about being harassed and bullied, and you didn't have all of this horrible stuff going on. It was going to be such an amazing, great thing uh, until it uh, kind of fell apart within a few weeks. Uh, Threads has lost half of its users, according to Meta Ch Chief Zuckerberg. <laughs> How many did it have to begin with? Uh, it started in early July. Around 100 million, 100 million people activated a Threads account in the first five days. Uh, wow. But more, more than half of those have stopped checking in. Yeah. Um, I, I remember just seeing this when it first came out. I didn't realize 100 million people signed up for that fucking thing. It, it, ran, <laughs> it ran through... Or I think it was like linked to Instagram. So I think it was one of those things that like if you downloaded threads, then it would automatically create your account and log you in. And so I, I think their early numbers were 
probably bullshit anyway. Like, I think it was a lot of people that saw it and they were like, oh, what's this? Clicked on the icon or whatever. It it downloaded. Then it opens up and they're like, oh, fuck that shit. And probably deleted it immediately. But it really made it really made it look like they had some impressive thing going on for for that first week or so. Yeah. And I just I don't understand. Do we really need another one of these things? <laughs> I mean. We have Twitter, you have Instagram, uh, Snapchat, and it's just, I, I don't understand what the goal what, for this one was like people that are unhappy with Twitter, you can go to Zuckerberg's threads and it'll be like Twitter used to be when it was controlled by fucking left-wing maniacs. It, the idea was it was supposed to be like nice Twitter where you weren't allowed to like bully people and harass people and everything at I, I knew this was doomed immediately. Like, that's not why we're here. We're not on the internet to be nice. We're here to bully and harass, <laughs> call people names. Like, we're, we are not interested in cordial conversation. If that's what you're here for, you missed the point. Welcome to the internet. Like, obviously, this is your first day. <laughs> you, right. Well, it's also just like the second you, you declare that it's going to be like that. I feel like people, the only people that are going to get in there are the ones that want to fuck with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like the problem with uh, uh, Parler and some of the others that have launched over the last few years. Like, they're like, oh, this is going to be a free free speech platform where you can say whatever you want. So then all of the morons just run over there and start saying all of the most horrific things. And then they start getting banned because obviously what they mean by say whatever you want is like be reasonable, not be a fucking retard. And so here yeah. they are, like just spewing off all the most insane things possible. And then they get banned. And then they're mad because they get banned. I thought this was supposed to be free speech. It's like, yes, dipshit. Free speech comes with within reason. Like you can't just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they push the limits just to fucking push the limits. And ah, people are the worst. People are the worst. If so how really much? Want... Oh, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, how much money did has Zuckerberg lost on Threads so far? <laughs> uh, I don't. It doesn't give anything in the. It doesn't give anything in the article about like how much they've lost. I know over the last seven months, uh, they've laid off between twelve and eighteen hundred people from Meta. Uh, like the the transition over to Meta has not been a uh, a great success facebook is facebook instagram and whatsapp have kind of been taking it on the chin the the whole integration of a lot of that stuff i think i think uh people got driven away from whatsapp because whatsapp was like a you know a messaging service that was the idea was it was like to some extent encrypted Kind of like a uh, like Telegram or or uh, Signal something like that. But then once it got integrated into Meta, then people don't trust it anymore because now it you know it links your Instagram and your Facebook account to your WhatsApp account, and everybody's like, uh, "Fuck that! That's not what that's not what not what I'm using a messaging service for." Uh, so so that's I think that's kind of taken a pretty big hit. And then like I don't know I, most of what I. Most of what I like use Instagram for is watching like sports clips and stuff. But there are there are just like millions of accounts that are just straight up like 
porn promotion basically like the whole the whole concept of instagram has just become like sell your only fans like and so i think that's starting to turn people off and then facebook i opened up facebook the other day and it had it had me scroll past three ads before i saw one person that i'm actually friends with post and then two more ads and then another like Facebook's getting so overrun with ads that it's becoming fucking unusable. Like unless you're in a, if, unless you're in like a private group, like the peddling fiction group where you don't get the ads and you don't see the bullshit. And it's just like, uh, it's tailored content for what you're looking for. Like if you're just trying to use the basic feed, the, the standard feed, that's fucked. Like there it's, it's gotten bad. I, like I, I understand why meta is losing money and having to go through rounds of layoffs. Like, as consistently as they are because the the product has just gotten completely turned to trash yeah well and the, the one bright light that the private groups they do everything they can to fucking ruin that as well i mean every time i log in it's like oh you violated commute like somebody in the group violated this you have a strike or whatever and i just fucking ignore it but it's just like yeah it's constant every time every time we get one of those i send a i send a complaint to uh to Facebook IT or help or help uh, help support page or whatever because it says that somebody got a strike and this content was removed, but it won't show me what was removed. Like, how can I effectively moderate a page and help make sure that we're not posting content that's not approved if you won't show me what's not approved? Like, I don't even know. Yeah, well, chances are it was just a Hunter Biden ago. name. I, I don't know <laughs> what it is. Yeah, it was a Hunter Biden meme from a year and a half ago. That's what it was. That, <laughs> that qualifies as like uh, child pornography or something by their standards, which is absolutely fucking hilarious because it's like a picture from his phone or his laptop. All right. Yeah. Thank, thank you for saying the quiet part out loud, Facebook moderation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um. What else we got? Oh, you want to? Oh, this was pretty funny. Get uh, we can get something a little bit humorous for for today. The uh, the two retailers in New York. Oh uh, yeah, that was that was workers. beautiful. Yeah, retailers strike back at a Seven Eleven workers. So this we can uh, we can play the video, but man, like I would have fucking done so much more damage to this guy i mean it was very satisfying to watch this but like he would have been lucky to make it out of there alive if this is my fucking store like i'm just i've fucking not only have i had it with these these shoplifters but like they're brazen but they're also like fucking jerk offs while they're doing it like he's just being a fucking not only is he stealing from you but he's being a fucking asshole about it which would just drive me fucking crazy so um yeah we can go ahead and and roll the tape can you pull up the video yeah oh it was in california i for some reason i thought it was in new york i i can't believe california allows them to just have cigarettes out like this where anybody can just walk up oh no he's behind the counter oh he got behind the counter yeah oh, if you look at you see how the computer monitors are facing towards him oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. just went behind the counter and just starts grabbing hundreds of packages <laughs> of cigarettes like i would have fucking shot this guy 
Hey, let me get a swisher though. Can I get a strip? Hey, hey, can I get a can I get a swisher? Let me get a swisher. Back up, nigga. Back up. Put it down on this punk ass nigga. Hey, just let him go. There's nothing you can do. But it's nothing you can do. No, not, there's not plenty you can fucking do. And he's reaching for something in his back pocket, threatening. Oh, that, do you have insurance? Asking if they got insurance. Huh? Does he have insurance? Yeah. Beat this guy's ass and then beat no, the guy who's reporting that. Right, yeah. They're, they call him like a good Samaritan or something. But this idea that just because you have insurance, like there's no problem here, is absolutely ridiculous. And nothing you can do, man, until police come in. Hey, hey, no, you, hey, don't, hey. And nothing you can do, man. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. Yeah, there's there's nothing you can do. Oh no, there's there, I can fucking smack him upside the head with a stick for starters. But dude, I would have beaten that fucking guy senseless, and he was just hitting him in the fucking leg. Like I would have fucking sodomized him with that stick, and I probably would have smacked that other guy that was filming it. Nothing you can do. Yeah, you got insurance, right? It's no big deal. That's fucking bullshit. First of all, insurance premiums are gonna go through the fucking roof. You have a deductible like these these people that say you have insurance obviously have no fucking insurance because they have no idea how it works. Never uh, first of all, you have a huge deductible and then the insurance premiums are going to skyrocket if everyone's just allowing you to fucking steal. Look at look at how many fucking things he had in that garbage can. There's like a, a million dollars worth of cigarettes there. I have no idea how much a pack of cigarettes cost in California, but it's got to be like 25 bucks or something. Each one of those is $25. All right. And yeah, and after he's like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, you, you don't have to hit me anymore. No, fuck that. He fuck that. that. You, the, you made the, uh, this bed and you're going to live in it. This is the follow-up video. <laughs> yeah, the follow-up video. If you don't call let him go. You want to let him go? He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have a gun. He's lying. He's lying. He doesn't have a gun. You don't have a gun. You have a gun? Do you have a gun? He's lying. Let's let him go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's get him. Let's get him. Okay. Come on. Okay. No, no. It's okay. Okay. No more. You know no more. No more come here, right? No more come and do that, right? Brother, please. I'm your brother. Right? No more do this, okay? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. No, no, let him go. No, no, please. Please, no, bro. He have problems with you? He owe you a lot of money? He owe you a lot of money? Do he owe you a lot of money? He owe you a lot of money? Let him go. Please let him go. Come on. I can't walk. No, you can't. Let's go. You better walk tonight. You better walk tonight. You better walk tonight. Let's go. Let's go. Don't come back here no more. Okay? Don't do that, okay? They shoot you. Can I get a soda? Please. What kind of shit you telling me and you do this shit and you want a soda? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Okay? Get the fuck out, man. Hold on. 
Hey, hey. Just be cool, man. <laughs> You're going to walk tonight. Yeah, dude. He wouldn't have been able to walk out of there if that was my store. Like, I would have fucking wrecked that guy. I, I, I just had it. And there should not be a fucking jury in the country that would convict me of doing anything wrong. Not only is he just robbing you blind. He, at one point, he, he reaches back and says, I have a gun. It looked like it was a knife. It wasn't a gun. But he had something in his back pocket. He's threatening you and reaching and pulling something out of his back pocket. I would have fucking killed that guy. Absolutely. And even if he didn't do that, I probably still would have killed him. And I wouldn't lose an ounce of sleep over it. Let that be a fucking lesson to these people, man. This is absolutely out of control. It's completely ridiculous. And this mentality that there's nothing you can do, just let it happen. Call the cops and just sit there and let your fucking store get robbed. Bullshit. There's well, plenty you should be able to do. Especially for a lot of these types, like the guys who are in the store, like they're Indian or Pakistani or whatever. Like they, they literally like sold everything they owned, packed up their entire families, all of their belongings came here to do this. Like their whole yeah. life is sunk into running this convenience store, gas station, you know, whatever. And you're going to, <clears throat> you're going to tell them to just don't do anything. Yeah, fuck that. Just, just take it. You got insurance, right? You it's no insurance, big deal. Yeah. yeah, talk about a privileged position. Uh, oh, yeah, just don't worry about it. It's fine. You have insurance. That is just the, the most asinine uh, mentality I've ever seen. And more people need to do this. Have a fucking huge, have a stick and just beat them senseless with it. I would have done, I would have hospitalized that guy at a minimum. Well, and I would be posting the video everywhere that I could be like, this is what's going to start happening to people. We've been seeing more and more of these types of videos coming out. And it's almost always either Indian or Pakistanis or Asians that own these stores. And like, I guess, uh, I guess if you're a white person, you own a store, then you already have so much privilege. You're not allowed to defend yourself. Yeah. And most, and most of them are probably scared to do so, but the, uh, the other ethnicities don't seem to have as much of a of a uh, uh, hesitance to uh, yeah. to beat the shit well, out. They're of also people of color, so yeah, that's <laughs> the left has a really hard time of prosecuting them uh, for being white supremacists. I'm I sure they were like uh, they were those the the white Pakistanis, <laughs> like the white Hispanics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's so infuriating to watch uh, people think that they can just walk into stores and take shit because it's you know, insured. You know, Johnny, the uh, diversity is white supremacy's greatest strength these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like there weren't that many white supremacists, but if you start including all the Pakistani white supremacists and the Hispanic white supremacists and the Asian white supremacists, we, we got some good numbers now. Heck yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, I wonder I wonder how they would categorize the uh the people who are staging the coup over in in Niger. Are they are they white supremacists as well because they're running the progressive faction out of out of Niger. Uh so it's 
and they're and they're aligning themselves with with Russia. So obviously, these are very much white supremacists. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully that the U.S. will intervene on behalf of the ousted president. Uh, oh God, yeah. I don't know if the the Biden administration has the willpower to not get involved in this. <laughs> Just like, hey, they're asking for us to intervene. Who are we to say no? I don't know if the Biden administration has a global position of strength to say no. Like the whole the so one of the big deals about this is Niger is one of the primary spots that France gets their uranium. Uh, and then on top of that, there are also a number of other smaller African countries nearby, Mali, and I can't remember the name, uh, the name of the other ones, but that have also had very similar things happen over the past several years where they've run the French out and then uh, welcomed in the Russian Wagner group, the the Russian uh, mercenary group that's been wreaking havoc in Ukraine and and elsewhere. So they they've been Central Africa has been running the French out, and it's here's the really crazy thing about it. It's because they've been seeing a lot of uh, Middle Eastern terrorism as as People have been migrating from the Middle East, moving west. There has been a lot of Middle Eastern terrorism that has come along with it, uh, because you know these these countries are not as uh, formally policed as like Europe, and so they're really getting hit with uh, a lot of this like Muslims fucking everything up, and they were under the promise from France and the European Union that they would send support, that they would help. They would step in and, and take care of this and keep it from becoming such a, a major problem. But then they never do it. And so so now, because, because the EU is very pro-Middle Eastern immigrant, doesn't matter where they're going, they're not going to do anything to stop them. So they've been getting hit with just huge waves of violence and terrorism and stuff like that and not getting any support from the people who claimed they were going to step in and help. So now the militaries in these countries are rising up, and they're like, you know what? Fuck you then. If they're not going to help, and all of these puppets of theirs who are running our government aren't going to do anything to get them to help, we're going to overthrow them, and we're going to run these bastards out ourselves. And as it turns out, Russia is on board with helping us run them out. So we're going to saddle up with them and bring in the Wagner Group, and we're going to get... and like." Uh, by all accounts, Mali and uh, shit, why can't I remember the other place? Anyway, by all accounts, Mali and the other place that have already undergone these coups and had this like full transition over from French authority to uh, a collaboration with Russian military and letting their own militaries basically run the countries, they have had significant downtick in the terrorism and like crime levels from all of these Muslim immigrants. So like they're, they're fixing their own problems and the EU is, uh, and that's why other countries like, that's why other countries like Niger are starting to look at this and say, Hey, that might not be a bad idea. We can just, we can just take care of it ourselves. 
Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty interesting. The, uh, I, I, how did the military uh, go about this coup? I'm, I'm sure it was um, without any guns or anything, right? They just sort of uh, walked through the Capitol leisurely, sat at, at the president's desk, put their feet up, took a podium. Okay. Yeah, just making sure. Because as far as I know, that's how coups go. More or less, that's a effect. Yeah, it was. I believe it was a uh, an unofficial guided tour of the Capitol building. Was, okay. And yeah. And they just, they just chose not to leave at the end of it. Yeah, um, it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I was watching uh, this this clip from the I forget the who's the Polish uh, president's name, but they haven't taken in one illegal immigrant from from the middle east and they've had zero terrorist attacks and he's like bragging about it and the the lady i was trying to find this clip while you were talking because it reminded me of it but he's like yeah we just we just closed off illegal immigration like the the immigrants we take are the ones that like want to come here that want to work and want to be a productive member of society and everybody else they don't get to come in here and then they showed a map of all the terrorist attacks attacks around europe and there's like one spot on the map that's completely void of any terrorist attacks and it's poland <laughs> and they were trying to bill him as like this bigot you know nationalist whatever and he's like hey you know the polish people um this is what they wanted you know they want protection i'm here to protect them and and so yeah we're just not allowing Ill illegal immigration and we've had zero terrorist attacks while the rest of europe has been suffering it's been a big problem of the fallout um probably almost exclusively because of the u.s foreign policy yeah i mean the european union hasn't hasn't helped that any either with the uh the support that they've given to the u.s in in pushing a lot of this stuff but yeah, yeah i mean it's it's kind of uh, we're the we are the spearhead of uh of the whole thing it, it was like when you look at these other countries and you look at what's going on it's like we're we're the problem. Like it's it's us. It's we are the we're the reason all of this is happening. It's, yes, but they not, they hate it's us. Not for economic hardships. It's not like climate change. It's it's us. We're 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 the ones. Yeah. So I'm wondering how involved do you think the U.S. is going to get in this whole Niger thing? I know we already have troops there. We've already been running operations in Niger for whatever reason uh, for the last uh, 10, 15 years, I think, at least. I, uh, um, there is a... There's like a, a consolidation of other African countries, Nigeria and like three others, I think, that have... That still support france and the french occupation of that area more or less, i don't that's not it's not technically an occupation but more or less that's what france has been doing there for forever uh, and and so the un the united states and france are backing this consortium of countries and they are talking about taking military action against Mali, Niger, and the the other one or two that have that have staged coups and done this. I think it's going to be kind of a proxy war type of a thing, the way that the U.S. and NATO are, are constantly propping up Ukraine. Uh, well, 
the U.S. will probably start doing a similar thing in Africa. So, you know, look, be on the lookout for some sort of uh, African peace bill or something to send $40 billion to Nigeria and a couple other countries to help to help them with military aid and get them get them moving in the right right direction to to protect freedom and democracy. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds about right. That that does um ring a bell with the US foreign policy playbook. <laughs> God damn it. It's so frustrating, man, to just watch this keep happening over and over again. I'm surprised <sighs> so I'm um, I've got a I've got a, an episode of my own show coming out in two weeks, I think it is. I'm I'm working on finishing everything up for it. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't started seeing any talks of needing to intervene in Ecuador and South America more. Uh, so, like a big a big part of the illegal immigration that's been coming up from the south has been the cartels and the huge amounts of violence and crime that have overrun most of South America. And instead of, instead of sticking with these very socialistic uh, light on crime policies, the Ecuadorian president has decided, you know what, fuck you. If you do something bad, we're going to absolutely murder. Like we may not murder you, but you're going to get strict punishment we're going to crack down and enforce it immediately, like no long, no long trials or anything like that. Like you do something bad, we're gonna come pick your ass up. We're gonna lock you away, and you're never coming back. We're going to snuff out the crime problem. And since he took office and started implementing this, crime rates have just fallen off. And other countries around have seen this, and now his. His approval ratings in all of like the neighboring countries are higher than any members of their own government. Like he, everybody in all of these other South American countries want the, they want things to be run the way he's running things in Ecuador. And like that, that would snuff out the mass migration from South America that we're seeing at our Southern border. If they just don't have these huge cartel and crime problems like that, cause that's, what's driving a lot of this. A lot of this movement is just the horrible living, living conditions that they, that they have down there. And so they think they're escaping from that to come to like a better place here in the United States, but then they end up in California or New York and it's the exact same thing yeah. just with people who speak English instead of. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I saw uh, another article I didn't, I didn't send it to you, but in Baltimore, they're begging for uh, more police now because the crime has just gone ballistic there. And it's just like, yeah, of course that was going to happen. Like, and you breed this mentality where it's like, all right, now we really have to fucking crack down. Like the pendulum swings the other way and people want to fuck like what I want to do to that guy walking into the store is so much worse than I would have done to him like fucking 10 years ago. I, yeah. I saw one. I saw one about like Minneapolis, where, you know, George Floyd and everything um, like black business owners are begging the police to protect their businesses because they're yeah. getting because they're getting looted and and like ransacked on on a regular basis and now they're begging for the police to step in and help them out it's like you you literally spent two and a half months burning the whole fucking city down because you know the police were 
you know, killing it, killing all the black people. And now you want the police to step up and crack down yeah. on crime. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. There was a, a friend of a friend of mine lives in uh, Minnesota and she used to have like, I, I haven't talked to her in a while, but like a year or two ago, she had to get escorts. Like when she would go to lunch from her office, they'd give her a security escort, like a fucking security guard would escort her to like the restaurant to and from a restaurant because it was just too dangerous in broad daylight for her to be walking around the city. Like it, it's insane how fucking bad things got. Um, yeah. Great, great policies, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when how much worse does it have to get for people to reconsider their progressive positions what are they progressing towards they don't know they don't have an answer to that like that's the i think that's the problem is progressivism is a self-perpetuating thing like it's it's there is no end goal it's just to keep becoming more progressive. And once you achieve this level of progressivism, then you have to find the next step and start pushing for that. Yeah. And it's weird. It's just like, what is the, yeah, what's the end game? It's almost as if they're incapable of carrying things out to their logical conclusions. Like every ridiculous position they take, it's like, well, if you think about it and you carry this, this idea out to its logical conclusion, where does that take you? Like, you can identify as anything as a, a man or a woman or whatever. It's like, okay, well, can I identify as a polar bear? It's like, no, you can't do that. That's crazy. Well, why is that crazy? And and me changing anything else, anything else about reality. It, it's just like every everything that they have, they don't really think it through. I just Monetary want to identify as tax is, exempt and and not have to do that anymore. Yeah. Can I identify as not a U.S. citizen? <laughs> can my can my land identify as tax exempt? That would be the nice part. Like, yeah. Oh, my, my my land identifies as its own country. That's right. This is a sovereign yes. nation. Of yes. Who's only. actually um, being overrun by extremists, and I need some military aid. Yes. A minimum, Just a couple billion. Yes. It's a small yeah, country. I, I don't even need a full 40 billion, just like two, three billion would probably do it. And if you send me one tank, that would block off the entire road. Nobody's getting in here ever again. I am now secure. Thank you. Yeah. And you've preserved democracy in this wonderful country of mine. Jonatopia. That's, that's a lie. This is definitely not a democracy. You can ask my children. This is 100% a dictatorship. <laughs> So are all these other places, but you could just pretend, <laughs> pay lip service to democracy. <laughs> well, that's the crazy thing. Like with the Niger, uh, the the coup in Niger was the the general that like oversaw the uh, removal of the president. He was like, he was like, we're not allowing your French puppet to sit here and run things anymore. Like they acknowledge that it's not it's not a democracy. It's not actually a legitimate government. It has been it's a it's a puppet government that's been put together by the people who are pulling the strings in the country. Like that's why they're turn, that's why they're rising up and, and overthrowing this stuff. And it's the same thing that was going on in Ukraine before Zelensky got into office. And actually, if we're being completely fair, Zelensky was also 
put there by other outside influences, but not the same outside influences that the U.S. is supportive of until it became apparent that he was not going to be a problem and they could actually manipulate and use him just the same as every one of these other, uh, you know, pawns that they've got in place running governments across all of Eastern Europe and, and Africa. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, the, the U.S. has been doing this for decades upon decades, overthrowing somebody they don't like, installing their puppet, and pissing off the, the local population to the point where they overthrow said puppet. And then the U.S. needs to intervene again to preserve demo their democracy. It's just, get the fuck out of here, man. Get out of here with that shit. <laughs> and the cycle continues. Anyway, we're uh, coming up on time here. Do we? Yeah. I say, speaking of get out of here, you got anything else? Did or? we get through everything? I think we did. I, I, I think that's about everything we wanted to cover today. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No. This is nice. I'm I'm done early on a Friday. What time is it? I'm an hour ahead of you. So it's only twelve thirty for me. I'll make some breakfast, and then uh, get outside before it starts raining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got nothing plan. nothing really uh to plug other than um I'm gonna put some more stuff out in the sub stack probably this afternoon. And then I have the uh Mikkel Thorpe interview coming out in like a week or two. But other than that, it's uh business as usual. Gonna go enjoy my weekend here. What about you? Uh football season is on the cusp of starting back up. Oh God! Uh, college yeah. and pro college and professional. So uh, I do a sports show with Buck Johnson, Thoe Bishop, uh, friend of the show Magoo, Mark Metz, and Matt Erickson. We talk about football throughout the throughout the season. Um, so we're trying to put together an impromptu little uh, intro tonight, sometime possibly around eight p.m. or so. Uh, we've got a. We're going to change our format up a little bit. We're going to do a little more college stuff. We're going to do a little more analytical stuff and on top of just the, uh, like, reviewing games and, and doing, like, pick them type stuff. We're, we're going to try to do a little more in-depth coverage of the football season this year. So so we're working on putting together a, a, a little announcement of the different things we're going to be doing this year uh, for this evening. So. Nice. I'll uh, I'll put out a notification on that once we get everything kind of nailed down. All right, you you guys don't talk about fantasy football, do you? Not a lot. Some <laughs> the problem with football these days is fantasy is always tied in to some extent. But no, we we tend to more break down like actual games and who's playing well and okay. what. Like we don't we don't yeah. spend much time on the fantasy side of that's it. good. Nobody gives a shit about your fucking fantasy football team. All right, you goddamn losers. It's unbelievable how fucking pathetic these people are. Uh, I, fantasy football always seemed like the gayest thing to me. And it's get, it's getting like exponent. Like they're taking I, – I did think that show was pretty funny, The League or whatever. But it's just like now everyone's doing that. We're going to Vegas to do our fucking draft and we're having competition. It's like, dude, you guys are fucking pathetic losers. Jesus. But I guess that's what you got to do when you get married and have kids. <laughs> well, several of us are in a 
league together. And so we'll talk some shit and stuff, but we don't make it a, uh, it's not yeah. a focal part of the show. Yeah. It, it, like I, I get talking about it to the people that are in the league with you, but to talk about it with other people that aren't in your fantasy league, like why, like nobody cares about your fantasy football league. <laughs> <laughs> Be the title for today's show. Nobody cares right. about the fantasy football team. Are the Bears going to be good this year? No. No. All right. God damn. No. It. Maybe I'll watch a game or two. I haven't. Yeah, I don't watch much over here because I don't really have access to it unless I go. I have to like go into town and find a bar and watch the games. But all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get out of here on that. Take your fantasy football team and shove it. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode for all you guys. So until then, you know, the drill, just keep on peddling that so-called fiction peace.